0: Featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo. With your host,
1: Patrick Moran. I right, welcome to your midweek episode of Talking Buffalo. Your weekday daily driver for Buffalo Sports Talk and more. Presented by Imperial Pizza. I am your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you. Very much, as always, for locking In, whether you're checking us out on the audio side, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, or whether you're giving us a look on the video side via YouTube. Appreciate y'all very, very much. And if you are, by the way, watching on the video side, please make sure that you subscribe, like, comment on this video. It really helps us continue to grow on the video side. But regardless of how You're consuming this podcast. Thank you. Welcome. Appreciate you very much. Uh, This is Wednesday. Recording this on Tuesday. This is your Buffalo Bills biggest takeaway week 18 edition. I've watched the all 22 game film. I've sifted through some PFF grades. I, of course, watched the game in real time. Like I would pretty much assume all of you did as well on Sunday night. Going to talk about it. Got some takeaways, uh, some bullet points that I want to get to. Uh, Maybe a quick little look here at the Pittsburgh Steelers. On the premise of letting you know right now that tomorrow's episode on Thursday, I'll be joined by my buddy, Anthony Marino from Buffalo Bromleys, as usual. And we will preview uh, the Buffalo Bills-Pittsburgh Steelers game much more in depth. We'll have our keys to victory predictions like we've been doing every week. So that's tomorrow. Uh, as for today, like I said, pretty much Bill's big, biggest takeaways, week 18 edition. And I'm going to start with a little bit of honesty and then we'll get into this episode. And I say it all the time, man, I really do. I say, it's not going to be a long episode then it ends up being 45 minutes. Anyway, I am going to do my best to be uh less long-winded, get to the points quicker, faster, and then get out of them and uh, get you out of here in a much more, well, not much more, but at least a little bit more reasonable amount of time. But anyway, before we talk about the Miami game and some stuff that you can get from watching film or going through the grades, I want to speak my uh, my Bill's truth right now. That's, I guess that's what we'll call it. This is me speaking my Bill's truth. And I want to be careful here to make sure I articulate this properly, because I don't want any idiots out there saying, Oh, you're saying if the Bills don't win the Super Bowl this year, that they're done, that they got to blow things up, that they're never going to win. It's now or never. Not saying that right off the bat. I'm going to throw that shit out there. Not what I'm saying at all. Here's what I am saying. The window for the Buffalo Bills to get to the Super Bowl is never going to be more open than it is right now. This moment, as things stand, as I talk to all of you, this is going to be very likely, at least anyway, their best chance. Their, their easiest path. All right. Let's say that their easiest path. I have felt over the last couple of years that window is just sprung wide open. And that includes now, which is goddamn nuts to say when this football team was six and six, lost to Philly, going into a and missing the playoffs entirely was in legitimate jeopardy at that time. So, wow, wow, wow. But here we stand today, and in my opinion, the net window is open as it's been at any point in the last two years. You know, you go back to last year, and I felt the same thing. Going into the playoffs, the Bills, like this year, were number two seed. And furthermore, the way things worked out, of course, because of tragic, near-tragic, uh, Conditions had the Bills beating the Bengals at home, that AFC championship game with Kansas City, even though Kansas City was the one seed, would not have been in Arrowhead Stadium. It would have been on a neutral field. Can't even remember anymore. Was it Atlanta? I think it was Atlanta. Anyway, it wasn't going to be at Arrowhead. So I thought that was a perfect opportunity for the Bills to get to a Super Bowl last year as a two seed. Year before that, the Bills are a three seed. They go into Kansas City and with 13 seconds left in the game, They got the Chiefs on the ropes. The game should have been over. If the Bills handled their business for 13 more seconds, they await Cincinnati coming to Buffalo in the AFC Championship game with a trip to the Super Bowl on the line. With Joe Burrow at the time in his first full season as a starter in the NFL. It felt to me both those years, these last two years, were to some extent, here's the AFC title, Here's your trip to the Super Bowl. Here it is right now on a platter. That's the way it's felt the last couple of years. And I didn't feel that way for most of this season as most of you didn't either. But as I record this on a Tuesday for a Wednesday audio drop, Tuesday night video drop, we're in the same boat, maybe even more so. Because I'll tell you what, the Bills are the two seed with a matchup. And look, again, this isn't about saying the right thing, the politically correct thing, you know, respect the Steelers, yada, yada, yada. My ass. Going into this past weekend, I was begging, begging for the scenario to play out that the Bills could win their division and play the Pittsburgh Steelers in the first round. And thanks to the Jacksonville Jaguars utterly collapsing, that is exactly what happened. This is the best case scenario and if you want to talk up the Pittsburgh Steelers like Sean McDermott's doing, be my guest. I ain't gonna do it. I ain't gonna do it. But anyway, even that aside, you look around this conference right now, going into playoffs, and guess what? Joe Burrow, Cincinnati Bengals, a team that has spanked the Bills the last couple of years. They smacked them in the playoffs last year. They smacked us in Cincy this year on Monday Night Football, even though the score was closer. That was a one-sided game. Probably were well on their way to spanking the Bills last Monday night before, you know, last year, I should say, before what happened to DeMar Hamlin, how that went down. Anyway, Cincinnati Bengals, not even in the playoffs. Joe Burrow gets hurt. Cincinnati's not even in the postseason. And you got the Kansas City Chiefs who are in the postseason. But that offense is a disaster, man. It's a disaster. They can't catch the football. You're probably, you know, that's a team during the offseason. Whether the Chiefs lose to Miami this weekend or whether they go on and win the Super Bowl again. Priority one is going to be getting wide receivers. They're going to get better at wide receiver. Patrick Mahomes is only 28 years old, man. They're, they're not giving up on the passing game. They're going to get better receivers. And they got a couple of young guys who will get better too. So you're catching a Kansas City offense right now that probably is not going to get any worse than it is right now this season going into the playoffs. And then you got a Miami team that the Bills have just beat. They've beaten them twice. The Bills own the Dolphins, man. Miami's got talent. A splash. Make big plays. Tyreek Hill can, you know, turn a third and 13 from the 11-yard line to an 89-yard touchdown like that. He does it all the time. But that team just don't got the grind. They don't have what it takes to beat the Bills. They just don't. You know, it takes 10,000-degree weather and a million injuries for the Bills in week three of the regular season to beat the Bills. Josh Allen owns Miami. And that's, you know, it's not, that's what it is now. You got to assume at some point Miami is going to take a look and say, listen, man, we got to get, we got to get a grittier. We got to get some dogs on the offensive line. We got to get more on defense. We got to be able to match up physically with the Buffalo bills. Sooner or later, they're going to figure that out. They ain't figured it out yet. That's for damn sure. So anyway, you got them, the Jacksonville Jaguars, a team that beat the bills handily in London earlier this year. They collapsed. They choked. Trevor Lawrence got hurt. He didn't make the playoffs. They were 8-3. and three. They're not even in the playoffs, man. You got the Chargers. Really good team. A lot of talent. Great quarterback. Bad injuries. Bad coaching. Chargers ain't even in the playoffs. Jets are a good football team, minus the quarterback. Start of the year, they have that quarterback. Four steps in, ain't got that quarterback no more. Done for the season. And the team was done for the season at that point. They'll be back. As much as I hate Aaron Rodgers and I think he is a shitbag of a fucking human being. Jets are going to be back. They're going to be in the mix next year. You know, it leaves pretty much one team, Baltimore. Baltimore is great. They really are. Lamar Jackson, as much as fans from around the league don't want to admit it, deserves MVP. He's going to win and he's deserving. He cares about what his stats are. He's deserving to win an MVP. Anyway, he can run. He can throw. Baltimore's got weapons in the passing game. Baltimore can run the football. Guess what? Baltimore plays great defense. And guess what? They got a great head coach. Baltimore's a great team. They're a threat. But here's the thing if the Bills do play Baltimore, won't be in a divisional round. It'll only be in the AFC Championship game. It's the only way that the Bills would face the Ravens in the AFC Championship. So roll your chips at that point. You throw them in the middle. And you see what happens. is one game. And I still like the Bills chances against Baltimore. I don't think Baltimore's better than Buffalo, but they're certainly a, a great team that deserves their respect. But you got a, a first-round matchup with the Steelers. I mean, come on, man. You can't lose to the Steelers. You, I don't care that they got weapons. You know what they don't have? They don't have TJ Watt. <clears throat> 19 sacks. NFL defensive player of the year coming in. Because he's going to win that. No question about it. You ain't got him. He's hurt. He's out. And they got Mason fucking Rudolph. You ain't losing to Mason Rudolph. You can't lose to Mason Rudolph or Kenny Pickett. Does it really matter? So you got the Steelers in the first round. And then you might have you probably, because I don't think Miami's really got a shot to go to Kansas City on Saturday night when it's five degrees out, 10 degrees out, whatever it's gonna be, if that, and go and beat Kansas City. So I think Kansas City is gonna at least get by Miami. And you got Kansas City coming to Buffalo. Pam Mahomes has never ever played a road playoff game before. He's got to come to Buffalo. He's not a team, you yeah. know, especially with Joe Bucks. If you watched the show yesterday, he is starving for Kansas City. He wants them so bad. But you got a Chiefs and their struggling offense coming to Buffalo. Love that opportunity. Love that opportunity. Not as much as Tone Pucks, but I love that. So you beat the Steelers and you likely beat a Chiefs team with a pretty shitty offense as great as Bama Holmes is. At home in Orchard Park, And bam, you're an AFC championship. I mean, it doesn't get a better, more clear path than that. I can't see in the future years with Burrow back, with the Chargers, better. With Miami fighting their way, with Jacksonville getting better, with Kansas City retooling on offense. I don't think it's going to get any easier or more opportunistic, at least, for the Bills to at least reach an AFC championship game. Which, by the way, if Kansas City wins, and let's say Cleveland beats Houston, Don't be shocked whatsoever if Cleveland goes into Baltimore and beats Baltimore in a divisional round. Then you're looking at a Cleveland coming to Buffalo potential AFC championship game. The road to the Super Bowl very well could still go through Orchard Park. And that's crazy, man. That's crazy. And that's not even to say that Houston, Baltimore is that type of team that as much as I like them and I respect them, I could easily see them losing in the first round. If you got to make Lamar Jackson throw the football to beat you, and if that defense doesn't have their A game that day, they lose. So it's right there, man. It's right there. Everything at the end of the day, despite how grim it looked, despite how gloomy a lot of content creators, going to myself or media people, fans, with this football team throughout the year, the Bills at the end of the day are literally right where they want to be. So My truth is, it's not going to get any easier to get to a Super Bowl in the AFC as it's going to be this year. And one final time, that is not me saying if the Bills fall apart in the playoffs Sunday, next week, two weeks, that this runs over. That they got to blow everything up unless they lose it to Steelers. Because if you lose it to Steelers, you better blow some shit up. But that aside, the window is going to be open as long as Josh Allen is healthy. And as long as Josh Allen is in his prime and as long as Brandon Bean doesn't lose his mind and get utterly negligent as general manager, there's going to be a team that year after year after year is going to be in that mix. But I just don't think you're going to get a more golden opportunity with no Joe Burrow, with Pam Mahomes having a a depleted um, collection of pass catchers. You're just with Tua... Probably losing in Kansas City and just, you know, no grind on that team. No Trevor Lawrence in the playoffs. No Justin Herbert in the playoffs. I just, a rookie quarterback in Houston, as good as CJ Stroud is, he's still a rookie. You know, you're just, you're not going to get, in my opinion, an easier path to a Super Bowl than you're going to get right now. So my not saying is now or never, I'm saying it's not going to get any easier or any um, more clear than it is right now. So I wanted to start out by throwing it out there. That's my truth, man. And, uh, obviously we'll see what happens in terms of my biggest takeaways, uh, specifically from Sunday, kind of the same spiel that, uh, and then I'll tell you the spiel, then we'll do a quick break and then I'll dive into it. But it's the same deal, man. I, I watch the games like all of you, then I go back, I watch y'all 22 and it's not really the purpose of it. The intention isn't really to, to learn and articulate, you know, intricacies of the game that you wouldn't be able to understand otherwise like i say it every week man and i'm going to say it again this week you know like eric turner from cover 1 like joe marino from lockdown bill some of the other film gurus man they're so good at taking specific plays and talking about blocking schemes and zone assignments and things like that that i in a million years could never do and i know that to my credit so i don't even try to what i do with the film what i do with my pff grades analysis is i take my opinions that i had after watching the game you know, a lot of things I tweet out during the game in real time. My my emotions, my thoughts at the time, and then watching the film in some cases will strengthen what I had already felt, and then in some cases it might loosen, it might change my mind. And there's actually one or two things here in my notes where I tweeted something at the time, and I'm like, you know what? After watching the film, after looking at some grades and stuff, I'm like, ah, I was wrong. I was wrong. I was wrong about Von Miller. I'll give you a spoiler alert. I was wrong about something involving Von Miller. I was wrong in lambasting during the game uh bill's offensive coordinator joe brady i was really hard on him by the way um sunday night live tweeting during the game but you see some things on film and you're like yeah you know what i was wrong so anyway that's that's my purpose of what i do with this show kind of taking my beliefs my takeaways and either strengthening them or, or loosening them based on the film uh and the grades so anyway i'm gonna take a real quick break and then uh come right back and then i'm just gonna dive into uh some notes man some takeaways on the Buffalo Bills, not even just from this game in Miami, but also going into the playoffs uh, as well. So be right back.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data
1: takeaways week 18 edition you know i want to start and again these aren't necessarily in order from this is most important now and then the last one is the least important kind of just random notes that i that i jotted down that i wanted to share with um all of you i want to start with vaughn miller actually because i said during the week that i thought he was done like he shouldn't play anymore then on sunday and to my credit Yes, I am taking credit for myself. Early Sunday, once Jacksonville won against um, or once Jacksonville lost, I should take instead of seeing the Bills were in the playoffs no matter what happened on Sunday night. I said, you know what? If I'm Sean McDermott, I am playing Sean or I'm playing Vaughn Miller now. Give him you bench some last week. Let's see if that lights his ass on fire some. Give him one more chance to make some kind of impact. And if he does nothing, then his season's over. That was my feeling at the time. And maybe I could be entirely wrong. Maybe Von Miller was going to play no matter what happened in the Jacksonville game. And they had a role specific for Von Miller in that game. And it was irrelevant. And Vaughn was going to play all along after being benched last week. But I thought he was done. Then early Sunday, I'm like, nah, you know what? Let's see what he's got. Then during the game on Sunday, I felt like he didn't do anything. And then I tweeted again. Actually, Monday morning, I tweeted it. I said, "Get him. he's done. I said he's done. It's Kingsley Jonathan season. If you're going to run with the extra defensive end, I've seen what I need to see from Vaughn Miller. He just doesn't have it. He's not willing to, to do what it takes to make a play, especially maybe if it comes at the expense of re-injuring himself, maybe that's fresh on his mind. Not saying I wouldn't blame him for that. I'm just saying, but that was my thought. Then I went back and I watched the film. I'm like, you know what? I think I'm wrong. I think I'm wrong because my thought that Vaughn Miller's season's over with the Buffalo Bills is wrong. And here's why. When I didn't realize it when I watched the game. I had to go back and rewatch it to notice this. The Bills are up seven. Miami's got the ball. They need a touchdown. No timeouts. Quite literally for them, the game's on the line. And the final handful of plays for the game, guess who's on the field for the Bills? Vaughn Miller. Vaughn Miller's on the field at the end of the game for the Bills. When they need to make a stop to seal a victory, And what they did on these last uh, at least three snaps, I know for sure, is they had letter floor on one edge, at Oliver in the middle. they pushed Greg Rizzo from edge, they brought him inside, and then Vaughn Miller was on the left end. That was their look for the last three plays. And on the second last play, um, where Tua threw the ball up and it was knocked down by Taylor Rapp which was the play before Taylor Rapp had an amazing interception to to seal the game. Vaughn Miller actually had a nice pass rush. He rushed with one hand, and with one hand, he took the right tackle and pushed him back. And then he started stunning towards the inside, and Tua was stepping up into the pocket. And at least not just Vaughn Miller, but he also had Oliver around. Kind of made Tua throw with at least a little bit of pressure. Again, throwing it to Tyreek, and then Taylor Rapp makes his play. But he was in on that play. Wasn't exactly... The greatest pressure, but it was he was there. His presence was felt on that play. And then, like I said, very next play, and he didn't get no pressure on Tua. Nobody got any pressure on Tua. It was just a bad decision from Tua, a, a bad throw, and a great read from Taylor Rapp to make the interception. But here's my point, folks. The fact that Vaughn Miller was in on the last handful of plays in such a pivotal part of this game tells me that Sean McDermott and/or Eric Washington have confidence. In Vaughn Miller. I don't, as far as I know, he's not hurt because I would have said, well, why is AJ Epinesa not out there? The fact that Vaughn Miller was out there and not AJ Epinesa doesn't tell me that Vaughn's going to get more reps. He had 15 reps for the game, by the way. I think AJ had 17. Don't tell me that they think Vaughn Miller is better than AJ Epinesa necessarily. But what it does tell me is that Vaughn Miller's not done playing football for the team this year. If he's on the field at the end of the game with everything on the line, that tells me that when you line up for the playoffs, Bob Miller is going to be in uniform. So that's definitely a pretty significant takeaway, at least as far as I'm concerned anyway, from that game going forward on the Deontay Hardy punt return, a franchise setting 96 yard punt return, the pivotal play of the game, the game swinger, the momentum changer, whatever you want to call it. The bills tied it up. Miami shell shocked. The stadium was rocking, which is funny saying that because the game was in Miami, but bills fans showed out and got loud when Hardy scored. But anyway, great run, obviously, by Hardy. Great decision to to take it from the four. And three players, specifically, when you watch it back, when you watch the replay, you watch the film, that deserve credit for plays. One, Saran Neal, a great seal block, right when Hardy was catching the ball, didn't let his guy get to him. Then Hardy got a little bit of momentum going, made 41 miss. Then it was Quinton Morris, who had a nice little seal block, that allowed Hardy a lane. And then once he got going full speed, it was actually, all people, uh, Bill's defensive tackle, Puna Ford, who went out near midfield, got a body on the punter. I don't know if the punter makes a play or not, but regardless, he slowed him down enough that we'll never know because Hardy just blew past him in part because of that. So, Zaron so Neal, Quinn and Morris, Puna Ford definitely deserve some shout outs, some love, some flowers, some shine, whatever the hell you want to call it on that play. By Deontay Hardy, which is one thing that, you know, I I just, I love, I think my favorite thing about watching a film is when you see a big play, when you're watching the game by yourself, with, with your buddies, with your loved ones, whoever it may be, you see the play, you go nuts, you celebrate, you don't see the little things at the time. Nobody does, not, I don't either. You don't see the little things at the time that make the play happen. Like you don't see the key blocks all the time. You don't see... You know, if somebody makes a, a big interception, you don't always see that the double coverage rolled somewhere until you watch a film or that the pressure came and made him get rid of the ball early, stuff like that. So I love going back, looking at a big play and discovering the unsung heroes of that play. And again, in this case, it's Neal, it's Morris, and it's Puna Ford. Um, another observation I have a takeaway after watching the game, and I got to give Eric Turner specifically a lot of credit from this over at Cover 1. Terrell Bernard... We all know that he's a splash player. He's been impactful as shit his first year as a starter for the Bills. I almost said Sabers, by the way. Um, the interceptions, the sacks, forced fumbles, got a nose for the football. He's good in coverage. He's athletic. But Sunday night in Miami, he was killing Miami, stopping the run. I mean, he was hitting gaps hard, fast, beating linemen to where they ain't tried to get to to put himself in position to make plays. And that's just smart because Bernard's not dumb. He knows he's undersized. If a right guard, if a left tackle gets their paws on Bernard, it's over for him. But he's just beating guys to the ball. And I feel like every time we always freaking talk about Terrell Bernard, ultimately it'll come to some form of Tremaine Edmonds comparison, and I hate it. But, you know, Tremaine, I, I mean, it needs to be said, Tremaine was bigger actually faster too, and a good player. He just didn't have that will, that desire, that passion to get to that gap, to beat somebody, to make a play. I think he was maybe a little more reactionary, Tremaine. And maybe he was like that because of his traits, of his athletic skills that Bernard maybe doesn't have. But Terrell Bernard, man, that passion, that will, that desire to make plays sticks out so much. And if you go lay like on Eric Turner's Twitter, again, he spliced together like five or six plays. And it's just, it's fun to watch. It's just fun to see Terrell beat big linemen to the play. And then finish too. He is a willing, willing hitter and a willing tackler. Like he will stick his face in that play. He will put his shoulder in that play. Terrell Bernard ain't trying to arm tackle nobody. Just impressive to watch, man. Really cool. Um, I also noticed going back, watching the game, some film that, that, I don't want to call it a big nickel is it a big nickel it a dime? I'm not sure quite what the Bills are calling it, but essentially it's when the Bills have three safeties on the field. Jordan Poyer goes to linebacker and Dodson. Well, once he got hurt, it was Spectre. They come out. So Poyer's your second linebacker. Taylor Rapp plays his spot at safety. And of course, Micah Hyde. So that three safeties. They did it 13 times on uh on Sunday night. And it worked. And I got to give props and I'm not saying anything here that you don't already know, but Taylor Rapp, man, you want to talk about a guy who, you know, there were a lot of guys on Sunday, unsung guys, unheralded guys, guys who you don't talk about much during the season. Who have, you know, Taylor Rapp signed as a free agent, expected potentially some pretty big things from him, very uneventful year for him. I'll tell you what, in the biggest stage, the biggest game of the season, Taylor Rapp came to play, man, that end of the game, two great plays. Obviously, the, uh, the athletic interception, that was awesome. That ended the game. Let's not sleep on the play before that. Tua throws it up, 4 Tyree kill, and Rep knocks the ball down. If Taylor Rapp doesn't make that play, if he's a yard away and, and Hill gets both hands, secures that football, gets tackled, Miami's inside the 20 with over a minute left. Plenty of time to score, win the game, or tie the game, I should say. Well, Taylor Rapp, his, uh, his play was noticeable. And that's what we were hoping for. We mean in Buffalo Bills, of course, when Brandon Bean signed him. I thought Taylor Rapp was great. Um, again, unsung guys. Dane Jackson steps up when Rasul Douglas gets hurt. Has two huge third down plays. One of them a stop after a catch to hold the guys short of a first down. The other one a pass knockdown to force a punt. Just a a great game from Dane Jackson as well. Um, another thing I noticed too, a takeaway. The Bills tackling, at least in this game, was really, really solid. Real solid. And that has been... You know, there's two real Achilles heels for the Buffalo Bills this season, in my opinion. Number one is the obvious Josh Allen turnovers. And that's not, you know, me bombing Josh Allen. Josh Allen is Josh Allen. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Josh is going to make plays that no one else can. And you got to live with the bullshit that comes with it. And from time to time... Pretty much every game, at least once, Josh would have a boneheaded turnover. So that's been an issue all season long for the Bills. The other other issue, to me, has been pretty mediocre tackling. Like the Bills have been, eh, with tackling through parts of the season. And other times, they've just been downright horrible, man. Horrible with tackling. Well, not a problem on Sunday. They tackled excellent. I went to PFF to look up tackling grades to confirm if they were tackling as good as it looked to the naked eye and they were seven guys had a, uh, a PFF grade of 76 or higher in tackling on uh Sunday night. So the tackling was great. I mentioned Josh, look, we to do a podcast every day on Josh Allen, the good, the bad, the ugly, because he's the quarterback and he's a spectacular quarterback. Josh Allen's a unicorn, man. He's, he's one of one maybe he's one of two. We can talk about Mahomes in the same breath as well. But that aside, th- there's one play that just encapsulates what encapsulates, I'm sorry. What type of player Josh Allen is and why the Buffalo Bills win and why the Miami Dolphins don't. It's 3rd and 13. There's 3:15 left in the game. It's a tie score. Josh Allen takes off running. Christian Wilkins is barreling it in from the side, full speed. Both They're both going full speed. Gets his arm on him. And I don't blame Christian Wilkins for this play, by the way. And can't stop Josh. But two defenders from Miami. Eli Apple and uh, Cater Kader are both there. They got Josh probably two and a half, maybe even three yards before the sticks on third and 13. And at the end of the play, Josh Allen is a full yard past the marker. Bam. First down uh, Buffalo. Actually, I, I'm, I'm wrong about one thing. I want to make sure I'm right here. The Bills were protected at one score lead and they were trying to run the clock out. So let me be clear there. It wasn't on the game-winning touchdown. It was on the Bills final drive. Still, the point remains the same. Third and 13. No way Josh should be getting that first down. Two Miami defenders have him dead to rights. Wilkins also barreling it in, but yet Josh Allen still gets the first down. It's just, it, it's a case of this. I mean, What's the term they say they didn't want that smoke? Eli Apple, Cater Cordeaux, they didn't want that smoke. Josh Allen was not going to be denied the sticks. It just wasn't going to happen. He wanted to play. He wanted to make the football play as the game winds down and it's on the line. Josh Allen wanted it more than either of those guys did. That's what it came down to. It was just an unbelievably... Great play by Josh Allen. One of my favorite plays personally of the entire season because that's the shit that Josh Allen can do that I don't think anyone else could do. Even Lamar. You know, Lamar Jackson, as great as he is running the football, as fast and elusive as he is, once you got him, you got him. They had Josh, but they couldn't stop him. It was just unbelievable. Another takeaway too, I said Eli Apple. The Bills did a really good job of identifying him as a weak spot in the secondary and attacking him effectively. They threw at him 12 times, and he surrendered nine catches uh, for 141 yards. And then on uh, the game-winning drive for the Bills, I was annoyed earlier because it just felt like the Bills kept running the ball on first down, and I hated it. And it wasn't working, by the way. James Cook, early in the game, had a nice 14-yard run on first down. Besides that, the Bills ran on first and 10, 10 times, and only amassed 20 yards. Was not pretty, but that's what they kept doing for whatever reason. And again, I was really hard on Joe Brady. So I went back and watched the film, and I saw there were a lot of things there that if would have been executed better. They were great play calls. They just weren't executed as well. So again, apologies to uh to Joe Brady, who was near nowhere near as bad as I accused him of being uh, on Sunday night. But anyway, in that game-winning drive, three times the Bills actually threw on first and 10, three times completed passes, uh, won the digs for six yards, one to Dalton Kincaid, who somehow got matched up on Melvin Ingram, 26 yard gain, and then a, a four yard dump off to uh, the James Cook. So that was effective. Uh, in terms of PFF grades, you know, you, you, sometimes I, I like to, to look at the grades and see if they match what I, they do on film, which in this case, with the offensive line, a shitty, shitty, shitty night with blocking, especially run blocking. Uh, Dalton Kincaid actually had the highest run blocking grade of anybody on the Bills. So that should tell you that it was a problem, man. It was a big problem. Uh, Torrance actually had the highest grade among the run blockers, and it was only 63.2. Spencer Brown just a 46.3. Cyrus Torrance overall, pretty brutal night for him. A 19.2 pass blocking grade. I mean, that's about as bad as you can get. Gave up six pressures. Uh, Christian Wilkins at one time just absolutely blew past him like a pylon. Hit Josh Allen, took the ball out of his hands while hitting him a strip sack. That was, the, you know, Josh Allen could hold on to the ball, sure. But to me, that plays just as much. That was a turnover that was just as much on uh, Osiris Torrance. So, you know, there's not a lot about the Steelers that concern me, I'm being honest with you. But maybe Cameron Hayward having his way with Osiris Torrance is something that might concern me a uh, little bit. I didn't mention Christian Benford. I went up, looked at his PFF stats. Outstanding. He had to pick on the first drive of the game. 90.6 overall grade it's best of the season you know that kid has kind of like quietly strung together a a really good year um i mentioned eli apple and now the bills just went after him and it wasn't one guy it was several shakir two catches for 50 yards against him Stefani, a two for 41 uh sherfield three for 34 Dawson Knox, one for 17 uh, on the other side a couple of pff grades i hated like what are we doing here i don't understand these uh Bernard only a 48.2 overall grade. Guess he didn't watch the same game that I did because I thought Charles Bernard was great. Then Mike Hyde only had a 56.7 grade. Only a 36.8 run grade. Now, I know he did miss. I remember one tackle that he definitely missed, but I love Mike Hyde played great. And he also had a big third down punch out. I don't want to say break up uh, pass punch out to to force a punt. I don't know if it was Tyreek or not. I can't remember. I don't have it in my notes. Somebody from Miami cut the ball low and in the same motion, Micah Hyde, who was going to hit him, actually punched the football out, and it was an incomplete pass. Big, big play there by uh, by Micah. Look, general takeaway, pretty simple. You sit here for five hours. The Bills won the game because Josh Allen is a better football player than Tua. He's a better quarterback. Simple as that, man. It really is. It's as simple as that. And I would suggest, go on, go on my Twitter if you want, at Patrick TV. I'm sure you can find other social media outlets, but I know I personally tweeted it out Monday or Tuesday. Um, Colin Coward had a great four minute diatribe on Josh Allen. It was a, just talking about how Josh Allen is just different. A dude, as he says, and B Josh Allen, just being better than Tua. And if you take Josh Allen, you put him on Miami, Miami wins that game 10 out of 10 times. It's true. That's what it comes down to folks. Um, Bomb the Miami Dolphins. I don't know what I want to do with Tua because he puts up great numbers. He has great stretches and then he plays like shit. He doesn't play great against good teams. He doesn't play great in the second half of games. I'm a Miami Dolphin fan and I'm not being, you know, even necessarily a hater here. I hate the Dolphins, but I'm not being a hater here. I'm being objective and biased or unbiased. But am Miami, I'm taking a long look at my quarterback situation and seeing how much money and resources I want to dump into Tua, thinking maybe I could do better. Anyway, um, I mentioned Puna Ford. This is just a, a personal take, a personal opinion here. Because of who they're playing next week, the Steelers, and I've liked what Bruno Ford's done the past two games after doing essentially nothing for most of the season, not even playing most of the season, being inactive more than he was active. But because the Steelers are playing a team that I think is going to try to pound the ball because the weather very well, maybe shitty in Orchard Park on Sunday, and Daquan Jones is two games back from a serious injury, I would not be the least bit surprised whether it's at the expense of to Ford or whether they just go with the extra defensive tackle for the game. But Linval Joseph, who's been inactive the last two weeks, I think he should be active against the Steelers. If some happens to the quad, if it gets nicked up or whatever, you need that stout run stuffer in the middle of the field. I get why it hasn't been the last couple weeks. He hasn't been in the lineup, but with this opponent, this matchup specifically, I think this is a good week to have uh, Linval Joseph back. Ah, uh, I forget anything. Well, I forget this every week. Teron Johnson is one of the best slot corners in the NFL. You know, I don't study 31 other teams, so I don't have a basic comparison with him compared to his peers at his position. But I refuse to believe that this guy's not at worst one of maybe the three best slot corners in the NFL. Like when All Pro voting comes out, if he doesn't at least get some serious votes, I would have a problem with that. He's just spectacular, man. He's such a good tackler great blitzer. Even when he gives up a catch and coverage, I mean, he's right there afterwards. You don't get the yards after the catch. It's easy to take for granted how freaking good uh, Teron Johnson is. And then the last guy I wanted to mention specifically is Dawson Knox. Good on him. You know, it's been, he's had a couple good years, got a nice contract. Then the Bills go out and they draft a rookie tight end in the first round. And it's been a pretty shitty year, quite frankly, for Dawson Knox, who also went on IR and missed time because of an injury. But, at some point, you're like, we're gonna need this guy, and they did on Sunday, and he stepped up, had a touchdown, and a 17 yard catch. So good for him. I, I think if Gabe Davis misses time, which I think he's definitely gonna at least miss the Pittsburgh game, I think he might even see more 12 personnel, and you need to be able to run that formation when you need to. So Dawson Knox at some point can't just be one of 11 guys out there. He's got to make a play or two, and he did on Sunday. So good on him. Um, again, in terms of Pittsburgh. I'll dive into them much more tomorrow when I got Anthony Marino with me. I'm just 10 and seven. I get it. I know they won three in a row. You know, they, they, they beat Cincy. They beat it and they won the Seattle. They won there. They beat Baltimore on the road to get into the playoffs. Well, they got some help after, but they had to beat Baltimore and they did. But I just, I look at that. I'm like, all right, well, Seattle was an impressive win. And I watched that game. A lot of it. Cause I was rooting for Seattle. Cause it was going to help the bills at the time, but yeah, they beat Cincinnati with a backup quarterback at home. And they beat Baltimore who literally mailed it in on Saturday. I mean, who are we kidding here? Anybody who mattered either didn't play much or didn't play at all for Baltimore on Saturday. So ah, I just, I don't buy, I just don't buy the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't, you know, I see the Steelers and I see a team that lost three in a row before that. I see a team that lost at home back to back to Arizona and New England. I mean, come on, man. I just, I don't buy it. And again, I know they got weapons. I do. I get it. If DeAndre Johnson can make a play, it can hurt you. George Pickens can turn a, a slant into a 70-yard touchdown if you're not careful. Najee Harris, Jalen Warren, they can certainly run the football. I get it. A couple guys on defense. They make some plays, no question. But I think I said at the beginning, I'm going to no. say it now. At the end of the day, you are playing Mason Rudolph or Kenny Pickett. Come on. Come on. And no, TJ, what? That's bigger than anything. That's bigger than anything else with the Steelers. TJ Watt can force a fumble, get an interception. He can, he can, two sacks. He can alter a game by himself. 19 sacks, he will win NFL Defense Player of the Year. And he's not playing. You can't lose this game. This season, all the roller coaster, the ups and downs, it ain't ending against Pittsburgh. It can't. I just can't see a scenario. I cannot envision in my mind. The Buffalo Bills possibly losing to uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Just can't do it, man. And I won't do it. I won't. And I know you're going to yell at me and tell me, you know, you can't, you can't look past these teams. You got to respect everyone. Well, you could do that. I'm not. Bills ain't losing to the Pittsburgh Steelers, period. All right. I'm already thinking about two weeks from now. Again, yesterday's show, a very animated tone box with a Feed Me Casey on there. Not quite there. In fact, on yesterday's show, I, I said he was pretty much without saying it directly. You're an idiot. Why do you want the Chiefs? End of the day, Super Bowl pedigree, Pat Mahomes, Andrew, Andrew, or Andre, <laughs> Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones. Come on, man. You want them? No. But I, I think I talked myself by the time the night was over, not necessarily the show, I, like I told you, man, I talked myself into realizing that Cleveland. If they beat Houston, is better than the Chiefs. So you know what? Give me it. Give me the smoke, man. Give me the Chiefs. Give me the Chiefs. Because the Browns scare me a little bit. And we're talking about a team. The Bills ain't even played yet. And the Browns are going on the road. They're only favored by two and a half points. But the Browns of the team beside the Ravens. Anyone in the playoffs right now, not counting the Ravens, that I'd be most concerned about would be the Browns. Joe Flacco. Old crazy ass, and you know, you also feel like that runs gonna end and it's gonna crash to earth real bad at any moment, but it hasn't, it hasn't. Um, it just feels like a story for more chapters to be written. And again, Amari Cooper is one of the best receivers in the league, and their defense is just fucking stout. So I don't really particularly want to play the Cleveland Browns, not scared of them, but don't really want to play them. I think. For round two, assuming the Bills beat the Steelers. If I had a power rank who I'd want to play, I'd go Houston first because of the rookie quarterback, as good as he is. Then I would probably go Kansas City and then Cleveland. But anyway, I will stop here. I will stop getting ahead of myself. It's going to do it for today, in fact. I will, like I said, tomorrow's show, Anthony Marino, Bills, Steelers, preview, keys to victory. Keys to victory being don't freaking choke at home and our predictions and much more with my man, Anthony Marino. And that's going to be on the show tomorrow. Talk to you guys then.